Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung. And I'm Dan, super producer Dan, filling in for Los today. And my first, my, my, uh, my first appearance this year. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, unfortunately, Los had a conflict. Uh, so we'll be taking you guys through the week two previews uh, with our first episode of the year with super producer Dan. But before we get into the previews, we have an exciting announcement about a new sponsor here. Uh, the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast has partnered with Thrive Fantasy. Do you guys like to make prop bets each week? If so, Thrive is perfect for you, offering DFS-style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week and compete against other players on how many you get right. Each prop bet has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. And the more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you place and win money. Thrive has paid out over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018. And if you use our promo code ADICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up for an account and then deposit a minimum of $20, they will match your initial deposit up to $50. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. Dan, are you excited to check out Thrive? I am. I am. I had never heard of them before, but they, they, I, I, I looked at the app. It looks pretty good. I haven't signed up yet, but I'll probably do it before next Sunday. Uh, get some prop bets in there. Uh, especially if, uh, if, if any of you guys out there were part of this, this red wedding of a weekend that we had in injuries and, uh, your team is looking a little dismal. You might want to, you know, focus some attention on some DFS lineups to maybe, uh, uh, quell the pain a little bit. Right, Monk? <laughs> Yeah, I know one of my teams got hit pretty hard, so it's always a nice little uh, alternative, uh, a little reset to the season, if you will, each week uh, if you haven't been doing too hot in your redraft leagues. Plus, it's a free 50 bucks, right? I mean, free money's free money. Can't argue with that one. So uh, we are going to start our week two, or excuse me, week three previews, starting with Thursday night football, Miami at Jacksonville the Florida showdown and my focus on the Dolphins side for this game is going to be target share and production between Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. Williams was held to just one catch against Buffalo, but that was with Tredavious White shadowing him all game. And I understand that Devontae Parker came into week two limited by that hamstring injury, but I do think it speaks volumes that the Bills considered Williams to be the number one wide receiver to have White follow around the field. And I think Williams needs to be owned in just about every single league. Both of these wide receivers should have great performances in what should be a shootout on Thursday night. And then on the Jaguars side here, uh, the focus is really DJ Shark's chest injury, likely a rib bruise of some sorts. He could be active, but not targeted a whole lot again. I would consider Shark just a flex play for now, and I love Keelan Cole, who's actually been seeing a ton of targets with Shark not at 100%. Cole is a solid PPR flex this week with high upside, and he's actually led all Jaguars wide receivers in target share and fantasy points through two games. 
LaVisca Chenault, of course, is also a fine PPR flex who's been getting more hype, but I definitely wanted to mention Cole as he seems to be flying under the radar in a lot of leagues. What do you think about uh, Minshew? Like, is he someone like that you should be potentially targeting if if you're a little quarterback needy? Yeah, uh, we talked about both Minshew and Tannehill uh, last week as waiver wire pickups, and both of them are still very low owned in both ESPN and Yahoo formats. So I think Minshew and Tannehill could both be QB1s on the season, top 12 guys, uh, the way they're playing right now. Um, and at the very least, uh, they should be very solid streamers again this week. So this game could go either way, uh, but it's really hard to bet against the mustache right now, given how he's been playing Minshew Magic Baby. I'll take Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm going to take him too. You can't, you can't bet against that mustache. You sure can't, and Los agrees with us. He did fill out his picks uh, before we recorded tonight, so this one's a sweep. We're all taking Jacksonville here. Moving along to the Sunday games starting at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern time. The first one up is Chicago at Atlanta. I certainly don't love it. I wouldn't feel great about it, but Mitch Trubisky could be a very solid QB1 play this week against this Falcons secondary. Even better is David Montgomery, who looked great and pretty much 100% recovered from his groin injury in the preseason. Fire him up as a solid RB2 with a lot of upside. Maybe even an RB1 this week with all those major injuries to stud running backs in week two. And I know Allen Robinson has been very quiet and burned a lot of people these last two games, but he's still seeing very high target share. I would not feel good benching him in this matchup, even after a couple of duds to start the season. Um, I, I agree with you with Trubisky. Um, he could be a QB one this week. I was looking at uh, the PFF um, grades because we're, we're Bears fans and I, I check those out pretty much every week. And it was really nice to see the entire offensive line sort of in the green. And that's some consistency that they didn't have last year. So I don't know. I, I think Trubisky could be a pretty good streamer or maybe a backup quarterback that you can have on your team uh, this season in general, especially with the softer schedule. Yeah, I actually have. Um, I'm still it's still early. We're recording this on Monday night, but I have Trubisky, Allen Robinson and a Darnell Mooney stack as something that I'm considering. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Darnell Mooney. Is this so? Do you think this is a um, he's actually legitimate, or uh, and they, they don't believe in in Anthony Miller anymore, or is this sort of like a sign to Miller to get his act together, or or he's going to kind of just fade away? I think it's more so the latter. I don't know that Mooney's going to be the full time clear number two behind Robinson, but I do think that he's got potential and he's someone that I would be considering in Dynasty. I don't think he's a must add and redraft, but I would be keeping my eye on him in Keeper and Dynasty, excuse me, Dynasty formats. All right, moving along to the Falcon side then. Uh, last week on Thrive, I took the over on the bet for Matt Ryan throwing 302 and a half passing yards against Dallas, but he just missed that mark despite throwing four touchdowns. Uh, this Atlanta defense continues to force shootouts, and with the news that Julio Jones remains somewhat limited by his hamstring injury, even though he's been playing, R Calvin Ridley is a locked-in wide receiver one star right now every week. And then Russell Gage, I think, is a pretty safe wide receiver three play. 
Finally, we told you not to panic about Hayden Hurst on last week's show and to start him as a low-end tight end one. He certainly came through against the Cowboys. And even with Eddie Jackson potentially limiting him this week up the seam, Hurst is seeing enough volume to remain in that low-end tight end one range once again. What do you think, Dan? Could Trubisky pull off this upset and potentially start the season 3-0? Oh, man. I think I'm just going to pick them. I'm going with Chicago because I, I feel like their defense is not quite uh, played up to their abilities in, in these first two games. Granted, they were playing weaker teams. I feel like this is this is the, the time when their defense comes together and kind of, you know, rains on the, the Matt Ryan parade right now. I, I would absolutely love to see that. And I think it's very possible, given that Julio Jones is not at 100% health, but... I think I'm still betting on the Falcons here. They they put up 40-plus points on Dallas and should have won that game, if not for a crazy onside kick. I mean, that's just... That was... I mean, I think I, I, think I looked at the chart of, of that game, too. It, insane that they had a, like, 99.9% win probability in the last... What was it? 30 seconds of the game? Insane. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen Atlanta choke away a few big leads now in the last few years. So it's uh, it's certainly are, are not they the that Detroit surprising. Lions of their division? <laughs> I, you know that's a pretty apt comparison because I do think Matt Ryan and Matt, Matthew Stafford are both very good quarterbacks, but right? they've kind of been cursed with just bad luck, bad supporting cast, whatever you want to call it. Maybe bad coaching. Uh, I think. Atlanta just needs to get it together on defense, which is kind of crazy considering Dan Quinn came over as a defensive guy, and really it's their offense that's been winning them games. Right. So wait, so who do Los take? Did, did you say or did I just miss that? Uh, Los is also going to take Atlanta. I know he wants the Bears to win, though, but... Uh, I love defecting here. This is great. Yeah, like I said, I'm sure both Los and I would be very happy to see that upset. All right, the next game here is going to be the L.A. Rams at the Buffalo Bills. The big question here for L.A. is the running backs. Akers left the game early in week two with a rib injury, and then Malcolm Brown apparently played through the game uh, despite suffering a finger injury late. And all this really just allowed Daryl Henderson to shine. If Akers and or Brown are out for week three, then... Henderson could be a short-term workhorse here, have solid fantasy RB2 potential, even in this tough matchup against the Bills. Yeah, you're expecting him to get the volume there. That's why he's an RB2. Right, and we'll talk more on on waivers, but he would not be a priority ad just because it doesn't sound like Akers' injury is too serious where it's going to keep him out more than a week or two at most. Uh, and then Brown's injury as well sounds fairly minor so even if Henderson does scrape out a bigger role for the rest of the season it's still probably going to be some sort of committee there in LA on the Bills side here uh, last week on the Thrive app one of the prop bets I took was Josh Allen over 260 and a half passing yards against that weak Miami secondary Uh, certainly hit that but I don't love him quite as much this week against a much tougher Rams defense He's still a fine quarterback one uh, for your redraft leagues. I just wouldn't expect top five numbers necessarily. And then I'll be the first to admit I was pretty wrong on Stefan Diggs and John Brown. I was low on both of these wide receivers heading into the year. 
uh, with concerns about the run-heavy offense and about Josh Allen's accuracy downfield, but he's been beaten up on two-week secondaries, first the Jets and now the Dolphins two weeks in a row. That said, I am a little bit concerned about Jalen Ramsey and company this week. I think it's going to be a close game, and I'm actually picking the Rams in this matchup by a hair. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. I mean, I don't know. I, I think you got to bet. Both Diggs and Brown are great wide receivers. Diggs being one of the better ones, but better root runners in the league. I'm actually sort of surprised. And I was surprised at the beginning of the season how low you were on him. And, and I understand the Josh Allen um, concerns that you had, but ah, I, I might have to take the Rams here too, only because I, I think you're right about J- Jalen Ramsey shadowing them. Um, but yeah, I would, I would go with the Rams. Yeah, for me, it's just that there are a couple close calls. Josh Allen has had some throws that very easily could have been intercepted by Miami and New York in the last couple weeks, but they just didn't. And I think that if he gives those opportunities up to the Rams, they will capitalize on them. Uh, Los, however, does disagree. He's taking Buffalo here at home, so we will see. I I think this week there are quite a few games that uh, could go either way that I don't feel strongly about. Yeah, this one's a real toss-up. And uh, same with the next one, uh, but instead of two pretty good teams, we got two not-so-good teams. <laughs> Washington at Cleveland is the next one. Uh, on the Washington football team side, the two big stories here are Antonio Gibson and Logan Thomas. Gibson ended up playing 67% of the snaps on offense in Week 2 after he played well in Week 1, so Washington and Ron Rivera rewarded him with a bigger role. And if he's going to maintain this kind of workload going forward, then he's going to be a solid flex option. And then there's Logan Thomas to talk about. Despite only posting a four catch for 26 yard stat line, he played 41 out of 43 passing snaps on offense. And he was the second highest targeted player on the team with nine behind only Terry McLaurin, who saw 10 targets. Thomas is still a very good volume based back end tight end one play despite those poor results in week two. So don't be scared off of them. On the Cleveland side here, uh, I have a little concern with Odell Beckham Jr. I think in fantasy, he's becoming a little bit of a riskier start, given how much he's being taken off the field when they're in two tight end sets. Cleveland looks like they want to run a lot if they can control the game. And I do think that they're going to be able to keep this one close against Washington. For me, Beckham is just a low-end wide receiver too this week who will probably need a touchdown to have a good day. And of course, this also spells bad news for Landry and Hooper as well. Really, the guys you want in fantasy on Cleveland are the two running backs. Uh, I actually saw a question on Twitter earlier about Kenny Galladay or Odell Beckham uh, in redraft for the rest of the season, and I think I'd take Galladay here. What do you think, Dan? I I would agree with you uh, because... Detroit's going to be coming playing from behind probably a lot. And it, Galladay's a known commodity on that team. And uh, you couple that with what you just said with Cleveland really becoming a, a run first team. The volume is, is that Galladay's going to get is just going to outshine Odell Beckham. Yeah, I, I do think that Galladay is probably going to see a, a safer target volume week to week. And that's really what swings it for me. Uh, I I will say, uh, as I did at the beginning of this segment, that I don't feel strongly about either team in this game. Uh, I will lean the Browns, though, if they can control the game on the ground like they did against the Bengals. 
I'm going to agree with you on that as well. Uh, Washington is, is, is going to be a very streaky team this year, um, just in general. And in Cleveland, they showed us last week that they could, they could run the ball and really, like, really run it down your throat. Yeah, and uh, Washington was atop the NFC East for uh, a short week, but uh, not not so much here. Um, Los agrees and will sweep it for Cleveland in this matchup. The next game here is going to be Tennessee at Minnesota. Uh, one of my misses on the prop bets and Thrive last week was loving Derrick Henry as I had him as a top three fantasy running back. I thought he was going to run all over Jacksonville. Uh, I took the over on 115 and a half rushing yards. But that said, I would not hesitate to fire him back up this week, uh, even though he failed this past week. This is another great matchup against a Vikings defense that just gave up 101 yards and a touchdown to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and then not a whole lot to say about the rest. You're starting Tannehill, Henry, probably Corey Davis as a flex, and Jonu Smith as a pretty solid tight end one against this Minnesota team that's falling apart here. I mean, did you, you said you, you weren't afraid to fire him up. Or are you really going to bench him? Or are you talking about for for like betting or DFS? No, more so for uh, DFS or bets, the prop bets on Thrive. Okay. Um, I mean, in season long, if you drafted Henry in the first round, you're you're starting yeah, him you no play matter him what. Every week he pl- he gets on the field. Yeah, I can't imagine having better options than Derrick Henry at running back unless it's some super stacked dynasty team. Unless it's Saquon Bart. Whoops. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, last man standing. Henry's one of the few remaining workhorse running backs alongside uh, Ezekiel Elliott, knock on wood. On the Vikings side here, uh, it's really just Adam Thielen as a wide receiver two and Dalvin Cook as a running back one. That's that's about it. I'd be avoiding all the Vikings players outside of those two until further notice. Although, if you want to roll the dice, I do think Kirk Cousins could be an okay QB2 this week. Uh that Titans defense has not been playing great. It's been very close games against first Denver and now Jacksonville. So maybe Cousins can sling a couple touchdowns, but I'm taking Tennessee here. Oh, I'm definitely taking Tennessee. Minnesota's done nothing to, to show me that they could stay in, in games with good teams anymore. Well, we'll see, but it's still early. But, you know, I had higher expectations. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely part of the bottom two teams in the NFC North right now, It's it would seem. Uh, Los agrees here as well. He is also taking the Titans. The next game up, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at the New England Patriots. The Raiders, of course, are playing tonight right now as we record. And I don't see New England using Gilmore to shadow anyone in this game. The Raiders don't really have a true number one wide receiver right now. I think they're going to try and run the ball with that offensive line that they have. And really pound Josh Jacobs, who remains the only safe start this week in fantasy, uh, alongside Darren Waller, who's a volume-based PPR tight end one. And on the New England side here, man, what a game against Seattle last night. Uh, We will see if James White is back this week. Of course, terrible news about his parents being in that car accident. Uh, All the best to him would certainly understand if he is out for another week. Uh, but for fantasy, Nikhil Harry is becoming a decent flex option if this can turn into another high-scoring game. Although at running back, I'm not sure I trust any Patriots running back with Cam Newton taking a ton of the goal line work. And then as for Julian Edelman, I took the over on four and a half receptions for him on Thrive last week. 
and I will probably continue to bet on Edelman this week. There was some concern preseason whether Newton would throw to him quite as much as Brady did. I had some concern about that, but it's pretty clear now that Edelman remains the clear number one in New England, and he's a solid wide receiver three in PPR with upside. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear at this point that that Cam is back, and uh, he's probably not going anywhere. No, he looks good. He looks fully healthy, and as long as he's a threat to take off and run, then defenses can't really cover him. Right. I'm, uh, I'm taking New England here. Yep. Uh, Los and I are taking New England as well, so we'll sweep that one. Uh, next up here, the San Francisco 49ers at the New York Giants. Folks, this is why it's so hard to win multiple Super Bowls, why dynasties uh, like the Patriots, like the Steelers of old, are so hard and, and hard to maintain. Injuries and variants inevitably happen, and San Francisco is probably the most hurt team in the league right now. They have a ton of injuries on offense and defense. In fantasy, I don't think you need to hold their defense necessarily. Bosa's done for the season. Uh, they have hurt cornerbacks. Depending on your options, I don't think they're a must-own. Uh, the good news is, though, Jimmy Garoppolo, it sounds like his high ankle sprain is fairly minor, so there's a chance that he suits up and plays this week. But then you've got the backfield injuries, with Kittle already questionable with that knee injury, Debo Samuel out for at least another week. Uh, now we have Tevin Coleman out for multiple weeks with his knee injury, and then Raheem Mostert questionable with a sprain. Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson Jr. have a chance to be flex plays this week with a lot of upside. So monitor whether the Niners promote Jamichael Hasty at all from the practice squad. I think that'll be a good indication later in this week whether or not Mostert can be ready. Yeah, I feel like this week is is Jarek McKinnon's make or break. If you, if you're, I feel like there's you're really there's a lot of division over this player. You're either Jarek McKinnon is great and he could be great if they'd use him more, or he's trash because he's already been rejected by one team and then he got injured and he's never going to be the same. This is it. So, you know, if you were one of those lucky people, I, I'm not sure if it's lucky yet, but one of the people to pick him up late in, in your draft, um, this is it right here. This is his chance. Yeah, I've always been a McKinnon fan, so I'm, I'm very excited to see him in action. But don't write off Jeff Wilson Jr. He had a three-touchdown game last year. The Niners and Shanahan seem to like him at the goal line, so there's a decent chance that he could be a very nice DFS play in tournaments. Yeah, but all this blows up if, if Mostert actually does play, which I, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I think I saw that his knee injury is considered potentially minor as well. Correct. Um, but it does sound, I think it was an MCL sprain actually. Uh, so oh, I, those are very variable, right? So okay. I, I think my thought as of right now, as of Monday night is that he'll probably miss at least one game. But again, you know, this is something to keep track of, uh, McKinnon and especially Jeff Wilson Jr. Definitely depend on whether or not most are play. On the Giants side here, uh, they're doing a little better overall in the health department, but not at running back after losing Saquon Barkley for the year to that ACL tear. Deion Lewis was the next man up against Chicago, but expect Wayne Gallman to be involved. He was inactive uh, on Sunday against Chicago because they expected Barkley to be there. So uh, I don't think either Lewis or Gallman should be a priority waiver ad this week, uh, as the two are likely to cannibalize each other's production in this backfield. I do like Darius Slayton a lot against this injury-riddled San Francisco defense. 
And Golden Tate uh, is a sneaky ad if he's out there. He could see a lot more target volume out of the slot if the Giants go to a more pass-heavy offense with Barkley out. I would stay pretty far away from this game betting-wise. I think a lot depends on whether Jimmy Garoppolo plays, whether Raheem Mostert plays, whether Jason Verrett plays. There's a lot of question marks here. Uh, as of Monday, though, I'm going to lean the Giants at home, potentially facing Nick Mullins and a very injured Niners defense. Now, you said how uh, uh, they're, the Giants are doing better on the injury side except for running back. Can we, can we just count Barkley as like three injuries for them? <laughs> because that's sort of how the, the, at least the contribution to the team that he provides is just it's it's so extreme like and, and i agree with you too like this i wouldn't bet on this game straight up until maybe even the day before and we know exactly who on the niners are playing because if if grappolo and mostert suit up i think it's an easy win for san francisco uh their offense will just overpower the giants like it'll just yeah there we saw last week against the bears that their their defense isn't that great um but uh, right now, I don't know who I'd pick. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with San Francisco, anyways. Okay. I just I I don't like I don't want to bet on this game. Yeah. Can I bet for a tie. Can, can I pick? There's gonna be a tie. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> you get very good odds on that. I'm sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. As I said, I would stay far away from this game. As of right now, I'm leaning the Giants. Los is taking San Francisco, so he agrees with you, Dan. Um. Well, I agree on the tie. It's going to be a tie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of us has got to be right. If you're yeah, taking right. the tie, I'm taking the Giants, and Lewis is taking the Niners. We got all the bases covered here. Next game up is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals at the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, Thursday night, Joe Burrow did not look like a rookie, and with his rushing ability, I do think he's a legit QB streamer this year. I don't hate him at all this week against that Eagles secondary. But more importantly, uh, something to mention, uh, sometimes we forget about the injuries in the Thursday night games after all the Sunday slate games. Uh, through two weeks, uh, 24 of Burrow's 97 passes have gone to tight ends. That's a 25% target share. With Burrow averaging 49 passes a game through two games, with the Bengals defense putting him in catch-up mode. And then you have CJ Uzelma likely out for the year with that Achilles injury. Drew Sample uh, should be an interesting waiver wire ad. He's the number one guy I would add uh, at tight end this week. Sample has a chance to finish the year, I think, as a top 10 fantasy tight end if he continues to see this kind of target volume going forward. He could end up being a PPR monster, kind of like what Darren Waller was last year. Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Drew Sample, that name, when I saw it, I thought that the, like the developers... Uh, however, they they pull their data in somehow just forgot to finish putting in his name as it being like a sample placeholder kind of name when they're, you know, putting uh, these new players in. Uh, but yeah, he's on my radar now, too. Yeah, uh, I think he should be. Uh, I certainly don't think he should be dismissed. Of course, there are a couple other tight end options on the waivers as well this week who we'll mention in just a few moments. On the Philadelphia side here, Carson Wentz has been very bad with his offensive line hurts. Uh, but this is a chance for the Eagles to right the ship in week three. I love Miles Sanders this week. I think he's a clear top 10 running back in fantasy against this helpless Cincinnati defense. And I like both of the tight ends, Goddard and Ertz, given the target volume they've been seeing. 
And Deshaun Jackson isn't the worst bet either if you need to flex him. A long touchdown could definitely happen against this Bengals secondary. I'm I'm really, really excited about Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a legit quarterback in this league. So I'm trying not to let that bias cloud my decision here. I think there's a decent chance that Cincinnati could get their first win of the season here. But I, I will take Philadelphia at home. Oh man, I I I don't like this game either. Uh I feel like this is one of those trap games too. I'm going to take Philadelphia anyways, but you know, another one of those games that if I'm if I'm betting on this game, I'm just not even going to touch it. Like I'm not I I'm not making any prop bets on this. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to let the gods take this game. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I like I said at the beginning, I think there are a lot of close matchups this week. Not many clear-cut, oh, this team's going to win. Um, but I, apparently all three of us are going to take the Eagles. So we will see. The next game up here, the Houston Texans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Will Fuller suffered a hamstring injury against the Baltimore Ravens. Surprise, surprise. Again, I'm never going to celebrate an injury and no one can predict these things, but we knew going into the season that Fuller had a bad track record of staying healthy. We'll see if he can go in week three. Otherwise, I think you fire up Brandon Cooks as the new number one guy. Uh, He should see a ton of targets, even in a tough matchup against Pittsburgh. And then Randall Cobb becomes a little bit interesting as well out of the flex, or excuse me, not the flex, um, out of the slot as a flex play. On the Steelers side here, I think two big things to note. In week two, when James Conner was fully healthy from that ankle injury, he saw 16 carries to Benny Snell's three, and Conner got two targets as a receiving back compared to two for Jalen Samuels and just one for Snell. Any concerns that the Steelers would not trust Connor to handle a full workload seem to have been mistaken. Pittsburgh is apparently going to ride Connor until he breaks again, so until then, uh, you kind of have to start him as an RB2 each week, maybe even RB1. And then finally, uh, through two weeks, the top three target share leaders for the Steelers are Deontay Johnson at 34%, Juju Smith-Schuster at 21%, and Eric Ebron at 10%. So... I like Chase Claypool in Dynasty. James Washington remains interesting, but right now it's Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster as every week fantasy wide receiver twos until further notice. Yeah, they literally said Connor is is our workhorse. Like they basically said that. Um, so as long as he's healthy, they're just gonna play him. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think people went kind of nuts for for Benny Snell last week. Um, yeah, I, I think the concern is that Connor won't stay healthy. So if you picked up Snell, uh, you might want to hold on to him for a couple weeks, or at oh, least... absolutely hold him as a handcuff. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's, as long as Connor's playing, they literally said it though. They, they, I, I don't know. Pittsburgh doesn't seem to play games. Like they, they, like, like you know, there's coach speak and everything. They kind of just roll with it. Yeah, Mike Tomlin ain't got time for that. Right. I'm gonna um, take Pittsburgh here. Yeah, I, like like you said, hold on to Snell if you have the roster space, unless you need it. I could definitely see another mad dash to the waiver wire later this year. I mean, also think about it this way, too. There, a bunch of people are going to drop some running backs this week anyways. Yeah. A handful of them go down. If Snell's out there, pick them up. Yeah, although I just, 
I know that with my luck, uh, Benny, I'm going to drop Benny Snell in like week nine or something, and then Connor's going to get hurt in week 10. That's just how it happens, I feel like. Um, but we will sweep it here. All three of us are taking Pittsburgh. Although, again, this is another one that I wouldn't feel great about betting on. Uh, this is, it wouldn't shock me at all if Houston wins. Yeah, this one isn't so much betting for Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, Houston is, is a tough team to, to read. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean especially just, with Will Fuller, they have good players. They have good too. players that could just go off at almost any time, and yeah. Yeah, they have a great quarterback, and that's what keeps you in games. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that swings it is Will Fuller potentially being out or not a hundred percent here. Right. Um, all right, let's move on then to the Sunday afternoon game, starting with the New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Chris Herndon played uh, only 74% uh, of snaps on offense, even with Crowder out and Brashad Perriman getting hurt mid-game, and he was blocking on nearly half of those snaps. So Adam Gase, clearly uh, you cannot trust Chris Herndon in fantasy until Gase is gone. And honestly, I don't think there's a single Jets player that I would trust in my lineup unless maybe Jamison Crowder plays, then he would be the only player I would flex. Sell every Jet you have if anyone's willing to buy it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone wants any part of the Jets, and it's. I mean, every league has a taco, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we're seeing that you know, Ryan Tannehill's doing great. Uh, now that he's no longer with Adam Gase, Robbie Anderson's been get heating up. Uh, so maybe uh, Jameson Crowder, Chris Herndon, these are guys to keep an eye on twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. You do you think the Jets will, this this version of the Jets would uh, do well in? in the new Dwayne Johnson XFL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, I think they might be the bottom of the barrel with Adam Gase there, even in the XFL. That's how, that's how little faith I have in Gase at this point. I agree with you. And he, he should be, you know what? He should be singing songs and writing poems to Peyton Manning every single day for, you know, riding his success to two different head coachships. All right, on the Colts side here, just real quick shots. Jonathan Taylor, he's a stud. He's not leaving your lineup now as a workhorse until the Colts bye week. T.Y. Hilton uh, with Paris Campbell out indefinitely with that knee sprain. Hilton's an upside flex who might even see more target volume uh, with Campbell gone. And then Moali Cox, I think he's a nice high-end tight end too. Maybe more for as long as Jack Doyle is out. We saw the connection for years between Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates. Ellie Cox is another basketball convert with similar athleticism. If Rivers starts building that connection with him, I think Mo Ellie Cox could end up, maybe this is crazy, but a top five tight end this year? No joke. Top five? I think the upside's there. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mo Ellie Cox, him and Drew Sample will be priority ads at tight end. We'll talk about them more in the waiver section. But uh, as for the pick here, uh, this is easy, right, Dan? The Jets are the worst team in the football. We're all taking the Colts. Oh, yeah. Like, always, there's... This this Jets team might go 0-16, like like the Browns a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I think right now they're competing with Minnesota for who gets Trevor Lawrence. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that with Minnesota. Oof. Oh, yeah. bad. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we're all taking Colts here. Uh, I think they're probably one of the locks of the week. 
The next game, the Carolina Panthers at the LA Chargers. Like I said, Robbie Anderson, uh, without Adam Gase there, he's a thing. Uh, Carolina's going to need to throw a lot. Both Anderson and Moore are viable wide receiver twos right now, given the PPR volume that they're seeing in garbage time. And another takeaway here with the Christian McCaffrey high ankle sprain, Mike Davis is certainly no Christian McCaffrey, but he did catch eight balls for 74 yards after McCaffrey left the game. With him out four to six weeks or so, Davis is a great PPR flex, maybe even an RB2 filling in with that kind of target volume as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, Mike Davis has is, is always been solid when when he's been like called up to, to kind of start because wasn't he, he was on Seattle and he was on Chicago. Was he on something between that? Yeah, he's kind of been utilized more as a pounder, but he's a perfectly fine pass catcher. Yeah, I remember seeing a few good plays from him when he was playing on Chicago, just being kind of surprised how yeah, solid he Seattle was. Seattle as well. Yeah, right. He's He played real well on Seattle, but I almost feel like it's a little bit of, of the kind of game that they play there. Yeah, I mean, part of it was volume, but that's exactly what he'll be getting here in Carolina. Right. So, again, just a short-term answer for you at running back, but uh, fantasy football is a weekly game, so if you can get, you know, a few good starts out of him, consider that a win. On the Chargers side here, so we've got Anthony Lynn saying, reiterating that Terod Taylor is the starter if healthy, which, in my opinion, is an idiotic statement given how good Justin Herbert looked against the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs on Sunday. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I'm not a Justin Herbert uh, believer. I was low on him coming into the season, but he really surprised me. He played very well. He looked polished. And, you know, for your fantasy teams, if you have Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, these guys on your rosters, you should be hoping and praying that Herbert becomes a full-time starter because all of these skilled players looked way better with Herbert leading the offense than Taylor. And oh, by the way, Joshua Kelly is seeing a ton of carries and targets in that old Melvin Gordon role. In fact, he got more carries than Austin Eckler, similar target share as a receiver. Kelly was on our waiver ads list last week, but his ownership percentage really didn't move much at all. He's going to be a priority ad this week. I'm going to take the charges here if they can play like they did last week against the Chiefs, taking them into overtime, but... Man, consistency has always been an issue for that team, so you never feel great about the Chargers. I, I almost wonder if if part of their success is the fact that the Chiefs probably came in thinking this would be an easy win. Like and, and just almost kind of like wrote the game off before they even started. I, I think you can make the argument that the Chiefs defense had a different game plan against Taylor, but Regardless, uh, you know, the Chargers defense, they really did a number on Patrick Mahomes and, and those guys. So I, I think the defense is really carrying this team. But I, I got to say that the offense looked way better with Herbert. Oh, I, I agree. I watched most of that game and it. It was like night and day over the past couple of weeks with that Chargers team. Yeah. And, you know, they arguably could have won if I think they'd gone for it on fourth and one in overtime because they were converting those. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would have been bad, though. For... No, I think a lot of us would have been very unhappy with that result. But uh, like I said, Herbert really surprised. I like him here. Uh, are you taking L.A.? Oh, man, I, I have to. Um, I don't like it, but I have to because they're just inconsistent. I agree with you. 
Yeah, and uh, I thought it was Rivers, but I guess I guess the Chargers in general are just inconsistent. I mean, Rivers is still also inconsistent. Let's just make that clear. Yeah, Rivers is is inconsistent, and the Chargers are also inconsistent. They're both individually inconsistent. Yeah, I think that was a <laughs> hot flaming wreck of a of a relationship there with both Rivers and the Chargers. But yeah, I mean, you would think that two negatives make a positive there, and just they just put all their inconsistent together that it just somehow works. And I guess it didn't. Well, I mean, they got to the playoffs a bit, but they just couldn't ever capitalize. Uh, that said, Los is also taking LA here, so we will sweep this one. The next game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Denver Broncos. Uh, two big things I wanted to note here uh, for the Bucks: Brady saw nine drops from his receivers against the Panthers, and two of three, two or three of those would have been touchdown catches. I would be dangling some buy low offers on Brady if you need help at quarterback in any of your leagues. He could have easily had 400 yards and four or five touchdowns on Sunday if not for the drops, and Chris Godwin should be back in the next week or two from his concussion protocol. And then the second one, a little more sad, uh, Gronk played 70% of the snaps on offense on Sunday, and he had zero catches on one target. I am pretty glad that Los is not here tonight, so he can't gloat in my face. Uh, I, I think he's, he's right about Gronk mostly being a blocker at this point and not really fantasy relevant. I don't think that Gronk needs to be rostered anymore in redraft after we've seen his usage in two weeks. And I will admit that I was way off on liking Gronk as a potential top five fantasy tight end in the preseason. I don't know. Isn't it sort of a perennial Gronk move, at least in recent years, to not show up until the second half of the season and then all of a sudden have some pretty big games? Maybe I'm misremembering some of this. I I think that's possible. um, But I also think that even if he does have those big games later in the season, it's going to be kind of unpredictable which weeks he goes off because he'll be a bit touchdown dependent. I don't think we're going to see that, you know, eight catches for 100 yards Gronk anymore at this point. That's fair. There's, there's Part of that's also there's just way too many mouths to feed on that team. Yeah. And, and younger, younger mouths to feed. For sure. And I think that's why, you know, my first point there was by Brady. You know, he could have had a huge, huge game against Carolina, and I think, that better days are coming for this offense. All right, on the Denver side, it's Jeff Driscoll under center for at least this week. Uh, the Bucks defense should be started again in every single league. Hopefully you followed our advice last week and picked them up. And then with Cortland Sutton sadly out for the season with the torn ACL, Jerry Judy should be a pickup on waivers. He'll be a decent wide receiver three or better on volume. His guy that we're going to talk about, as is K.J. Hamler, who's a wide receiver four with some upside here. And then finally, Melvin Gordon probably faded again against a tough Tampa Bay run defense, but he should be a fine volume RB2 play if Philip Lindsay is out again. As for the pick, uh, give me the bucks as one of my locks for this week. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep, and Los concurs. We will sweep it for the bucks in this one. Now, we've got Detroit at Arizona as the next game. Finally, some good injury news. Kenny Galladay is expected to be back this week, which means that this game could turn into a bit of a shootout. I don't think uh, this one's as clear-cut as some might think, given how Kyler Murray has been playing. That said, none of the Detroit running backs are reliable, um, but DeAndre Swift is seeing the majority of the touches, so still someone to keep on your radar. Could be an okay flex play depending on your options. As for the Arizona side, what is there really to say here? It's Kyler Murray, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kenyon Drake every week. You're not benching these guys. 
And then no one really got a consistent target share behind Hopkins, enough to be reliable, but Christian Kirk is probably the best bet as a wide receiver for. That said, Andy Isabella should also be on your radar in deeper formats or keeper or dynasty formats. If he ever gets a bigger role, uh, he's the big play guy, the deep threat here in this offense. Um, we'll see if that develops into anything more consistent for fantasy purposes. And like I said, I think this could be a closer game than a lot of people think with a healthy Kenny Galladay. But as long as Kyler Murray is running like this, it's hard to see anyone stopping him. He's probably one of the top three or four guys in MVP contention right now. So I am still taking the Cardinals. Yeah, outside of those top three guys in the Cardinals, I feel like the the other skill players or fantasy potentials on that team all just cannibalize each other. Um, so I wouldn't start. I, I agree. I wouldn't start anybody really outside of those top three guys. Um, and I also would take Arizona. I like that team, and I don't like Detroit. <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, Los concurs. He takes Arizona as well, so we will sweep this one also. The next game should be really good. Dallas at Seattle. This game has shootout written all over it. Should be the best afternoon game to watch. I'm probably going to turn off red zone during this one and just focus on this game. I, I will say I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about Michael Gallup's target share. He seems to have become that deep, uh, excuse me, that deep threat who's getting those big plays downfield. But a lot of the volume plays are getting taken by Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, uh, who I think is a good flex. So Gallup I've got as a boomer bust wide receiver four right now, and of course you're starting Dak, Zeke, and Cooper. And then Dalton Schultz is kind of interesting as a tight end dependent, uh, tight end two, or a touchdown dependent tight end two, excuse me. On the Seattle side here, uh, not a whole lot to add. Russell Wilson is absolutely on fire, uh, probably the leading candidate to uh, the MVP race right now, in my opinion. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, solid wide receiver twos. Don't worry about all the other guys on the Seahawks catching touchdowns against the Patriots because not many teams have a cornerback like Stephon Gilmore to shadow DK Metcalf all night. He will be just fine. Chris Carson and then uh, a low, uh, excuse me, a low end RB1 this week, especially given all the injuries from week two. He's being used both as a runner and a receiver in this lightning fast offense. You know, the Cowboys pulled off the, the upset against Atlanta, but uh, the Seahawks are not quite as incompetent as the Falcons uh, when it comes to blowing leads. So I'm not going to bet against Russell Wilson when Pete Carroll is finally letting him cook, especially not at home. It's sort of crazy to think about Seattle being a running team and having a quarterback like Russell Wilson. Like for all of these years, they have been a running team, but had this monster, you know, as a quarterback. It's just, it's just insane. I'm absolutely going to take the Seahawks here. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, fantasy fans have been complaining for years. Some Seahawks fans have been complaining for years to just let loose uh, Russell Wilson on the world. And that's finally what we're getting to see in 2020. So I guess one good thing came out of 2020 at least. Uh, so we are all taking Seattle here. We will sweep that one. Moving on to the Sunday night football, another good, great primetime game. The good news here is that for the Packers, Devontae Adams' injury doesn't sound too serious. Uh, he did leave that game against Detroit 
uh, late with a hamstring injury, but it sounds like he could have played out the game had they not already been up multiple scores. Marshawn Lattimore is still going to be a tough shadow coverage on him, but you're certainly not going to bench Devontae Adams if he's playing. I would consider fading Aaron Rodgers just a little bit uh, to that back-end QB1 range, uh, even though he lit up Minnesota in Week 1 and did very well against Detroit in Week 2. Uh, the Saints defense is a little bit tougher here, especially in the Superdome. Alan Lazard and MVS remain those boomer bust wide receiver fours. You're going to need a touchdown from them for them to contribute. And uh, I'll say another guy I was a lower on than I should have been was Aaron Jones, who continues to smash as, as a top RB1. On the Saints side here, uh, we're seeing tonight uh, they're currently up. 17-14 on the Raiders. Uh, we will see if Michael Thomas can make it back for this primetime showdown on some Sunday night. Um, if not, we're going to see tonight how the Saints use Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith alongside Jared Cook. Even if Thomas is out, I think I'm leaning New Orleans, especially with Breeze at home in the Dome. It's close enough that I probably would have picked the Packers if this game were happening in Green Bay. But, you know, even so, it wouldn't shock me if they pull off the upset but I am going to go with the Saints. Yeah, this one's interesting. It's the first game this year that the Packers are playing a good team because we've already established that Minnesota and Detroit aren't good. Um, so these 30, 40 point, you know, uh, games that the Packers are like, it's going to be interesting to see them play an actual good defense. Um, I'm going to take New Orleans here, but I think it's going to be really close and it's probably going to be relatively lower, low scoring. I think it might be high scoring on both sides. So we really? could see back and okay, forth. Okay, I will take that back. If Michael Thomas doesn't play, it's going to be relatively low scoring. Potentially, but even even with uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans in week one, that game got pretty high in, in the score, even though both of those defenses were pretty good. So I, I do think it, it'll still be kind of a shootout back and forth between Rodgers and Breeze here. Well, we'll see. You take the over, I'll take the under. <laughs> whatever, whatever, um, whatever the line is. I, I probably will end up doing that. Um, Los is going to take New Orleans as well. Uh, but either way, this should be a really good game, a potential NFC championship preview here. All right, that leads us to the final game of the week, Monday Night Football, Kansas City at Baltimore. Don't worry about Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the season. Uh, the Chargers are tough to run on. Baltimore is going to be another tough matchup, but... CH still got the vast majority of the carries against LA and eight targets in the past game. He's going to be just fine. I've got him as an RB2 this week in a tough matchup, but the Chiefs are going to be favored in most of their matchups for the rest of the season. So he's a fine RB1. Don't worry about him. Yeah, he's also a rookie. He's going to have ups and downs. Like, I don't, I don't care how good you are or how good of a team you are. Rookies always have a risk of not performing super great in one game. Like, I, I wouldn't drop him either. You're absolutely right. Just. You know, it shouldn't be a shock. Oh, I mean, no one's dropping him, but uh, I mean, I, I'm just saying don't worry about him. I heard some some who are potentially worried about his role, but he's the lead back for a top offense. So and That was just a weird fine. game in general, too. Yeah, I, I think the, the Chargers always play the Chiefs tough. Um, the other note here is that Sammy Watkins could miss this game due to a concussion. Uh, if he is out, could we see the beginning to McCole Hardman's season? Oh, it's your guy. Especially if Mahomes <laughs> is throwing a lot in this one to keep up with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. I would continue to hold Hardman if you have the bench space. 
on the Baltimore side here. In week two, we saw 10 carries for Gus Edwards leading the team. Uh, nine for Ingram, just two for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, that was after Ingram led with 10 carries in week one, with Dobbins getting seven, Edwards getting just four. I think this backfield is going to be a headache all season as long as all three Ravens running backs are healthy. Uh, for now, I think Ingram and Dobbins are both touchdown-dependent flex plays, and then Edwards and RB4 with some upside in blowouts. And then finally, there's absolutely no concern about Mark Andrews. I know he had a down game, but he remains the top red zone target for Lamar Jackson, and he's got a great matchup against the Chiefs this week in what should be a pretty high-scoring affair. This is a really tough game. Uh, maybe the, the best of week three. We're certainly getting some gems here, but as hard it is to ever bet against Mahomes, I think Baltimore can control this game on the ground, kind of like the Chargers did, but the Ravens are better overall on defense and offense, uh, more reliable to hold on to the win, unlike the Chargers who finally caved in overtime. So I'm going to take the Ravens here. But man, I'm just excited to watch this game in general. We, we do record on Monday nights, so expect some yelling and interruptions during next week's podcast when some big things happen. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We're getting two potential conference uh, finals matchups in a row here. Uh, two uh, Sunday night and then Monday night. Yeah, clear your schedules, folks. Yeah, it's, right? uh, these are going to be great, great games to watch. Man, it's tough to bet against Mahomes. I actually think I'm going to take Kansas City in this one. I think they're going to bounce back because they're going to be embarrassed that they almost lost last week. I, I would not fault you at all, but I, I do think that the Chargers got to Mahomes with the pressure a little bit and Baltimore could do the same while kind of keeping with that same game plan of pounding the ball against them. So I, I am going to lean Baltimore as is Los, but I, you know, I certainly have no issue with you betting on Kansas City. We've, we've seen that Mahomes can always pull it off. All right, that is going to do it for our week three previews here. Let's run through the injury news. Uh, you want to help me out with these, Dan? Uh, sure. You want me to go first? Sure. Kick it off. All right. Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. He is questionable for week three. Quarterbacks do not need to cut as much as running backs or wide receivers, and Garoppolo does not run much, so this shouldn't affect him as much as it would another player. It sounds like he has a shot to play in week three, as the injury was not as bad as initially feared. Drew Locke, he has a ro rotator cuff strain in his throwing shoulder. He's been ruled out for week three. Um, he's out for anywhere between two and six weeks, depending on the severity of the injury. Uh, Denver could even put him on IR. Uh, like Garoppolo, Locke does not need to be held in normal 1QB formats. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, he has a chest injury. He's questionable for week three. Apparently, Taylor suffered this injury pregame and went to the hospital. Uh, we're not sure what this is, but Anthony Lynn said Taylor is still the, Q, the starting QB when healthy. Uh, it makes no sense given how well Herbert played versus Kansas City, but we'll see. Hopefully you weren't starting Taylor anyway in one QB formats. Yep, and at running back, first off, we've got Saquon Barkley with that ACL tear. He's out for the season. Very sad to see a top pick, but he is done for the year. He's droppable in all redraft formats. And we'll talk about the Giants running backs in the waiver section coming up. Christian McCaffrey, another top pick, uh, high ankle sprain out for week three at least. Schefter reported that McCaffrey's out for likely multiple weeks, quote unquote, sounds like four to six. 
And with Carolina not contending, uh, they really have no reason to rush him back. We saw that Saquon Barkley did not do so hot when he rushed back from his high ankle sprain last year. We're going to talk more about Mike Davis coming up in just a few minutes. Raheem Mostert with that MCL sprain. Questionable for week three. Uh, Even if it's not severe, Mostert will likely miss at least one game with a sprain, uh, potentially more. And then, of course, Tevin Coleman already ruled out for week three and ruled out for multiple weeks with his knee injury. Also got hurt against the Jets, much like the rest of the 49ers team. Uh, McKinnon figures to step into a prominent role for this offense in week three. But Jeff Wilson Jr. could also see quite a few touches. Cam Akers with the rib injury. He's questionable for week three. Akers left that game early and we'll see how much he practices. Uh, Rib injuries are all about pain tolerance, so his status is likely going to depend on how quickly he heals. And then Malcolm Brown with the finger injury, uh, questionable for week three. He played for most of the game, uh, but was out-touched and outperformed by Daryl Henderson. And it sounds like the injury, uh, excuse me, the finger injury happened late, so I don't know how much of an impact that had on his performance. We'll see if Brown can go this week. If he and Akers were both to miss time or to be limited, Henderson could be a short-term workhorse. Le'Veon Bell with a hamstring strain suffered in week one. He remains questionable for week three. Uh, Stay tuned on updates regarding Bell's practice status this week. And then Duke Johnson with a high ankle sprain, also questionable for week three. Another week one injury, uh, missed week two. Stay tuned for updates on Johnson's practice status this week as well. All right, moving on to wide receivers. Cortland Sutton, ACL tear. He is out for the year. Uh, This is always bad to see, but uh, you can just drop him in all redraft formats. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler will be the two names we'll talk about in the waiver section coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Devontae Adams, hamstring, hamstring strain, questionable for week three. Adam strained his hamstring in the third quarter uh, with Green Bay up multiple scores. So it's possible they were they chose to be cautious with him, but uh, it could also be more severe. We really don't know right now. Uh, so monitor practice reports on Adams this week. Uh, DJ Chark, he has a chest injury. He's questionable for week three. Uh, Jacksonville plays on Thursday night, so we should know early, but it doesn't sound serious. Uh, it is definitely something to monitor, uh, obviously, before Thursday night. Um Paris Campbell, he has a sprained MCL and PCL. He's out for week three. Uh, he's likely out for multiple weeks, uh, so, but he's worth holding in deeper leagues. Um, but if you're using your IR spot for a, a bigger name that went down this week, uh, he, he's not a must hold uh, by any means. Uh, Will Fuller, hamstring injury, questionable for week three. Fuller was able to return to the game versus Baltimore after suffering this injury but was a decoy and looked slow. Uh, Houston may rest him as he can aggravate the injury if he returns too quickly. He's questionable for this week, but he could be a decoy again if active. Uh, I'd avoid him for at least one more game. Um, Jamison Crowder, hamstring injury, questionable for week three. Uh, Crowder suffered the injury during practice prior to the week two game. Monitors practice status this week, but he plays for the Jets, so maybe just don't play him. (laughs) <laughs> uh Versad Perriman, uh high ankle sprain, doubtful for week three. Perriman is likely out for multiple weeks. Uh he is never a consideration in standard size leagues anyway. Uh, but he has some DFS potential with Crowder out. Uh he doesn't need to be rostered. Uh Michael Thomas, high ankle sprain, questionable for week three. Uh the reports bar that it was a mild high ankle sprain, but it could take another week or two to heal. Uh monitor his practice status this week. 
AJ Brown, bone bruise, questionable for week three. Uh, these injuries can take a few weeks to heal, uh, so fantasy GM shouldn't count on Brown returning this week. Uh, monitor his practice status. Uh, Chris Godwin, concussion, questionable for week three. Every player advances through concussion protocol at his own pace. Godwin could return this week, but it's no guarantee. Keep up to date on his practice status this week. Uh, Kenny Galladay, hamstring strain, likely to play in week three. Uh, finally, some good news. Uh, Adam Schechter reported that Detroit expects Galladay to be ready for this coming week. Uh, with all these other major injuries, you're probably going to start him. And at tight end, we've got CJ Uzoma with the Achilles tear. He's out for the year. Unfortunately, this is a tough injury to return from. He's droppable in all redraft formats, and we'll discuss Drew Sample in just a minute on the waiver wire ads. George Kittle with the knee injury, still questionable for week three. As we talked about on last week's podcast, Kittle was out for week two, even though he managed to finish the game in week one against Arizona. With San Francisco in last place in the NFC West right now, uh, we'll see if Kittle rushes back. If he's active, I guess you have to start him, but hopefully the Niners keep him out until he's 100% healthy. And then Jack Doyle with the knee injury. We're not sure what exactly it is. Questionable for week three. He suffered the knee injury during practice prior to the week two matchup, and we really don't have much info on this. Consider him questionable at best until he gets in a couple of full practices. All right, are we going to move on to the waiver wire? Sounds good. All right, I'll kick this one off. Um... First one with with uh, quarterbacks, we have Ryan Tannehill. He's 35% owned on ESPN, 46 on Yahoo. Uh, we recommend Tannehill last week, and he crushed it. Uh, no reason not to be continue playing him this week versus a Minnesota team that has been falling apart. Uh, Garner Minshew, uh, the magic mustache over here, 20% owned in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. As with Tannehill, Minshew remains under-owned in leagues. He's playing great and gets to face a bottom five defense in Miami this week. Daniel Jones, 49% owned in ESPN, 55 in Yahoo. Uh, Jones tanked versus Chicago, but San Francisco is a team that's racked with injuries, particularly on the defensive side. Bosa is out for the year and is a huge loss in addition to their cornerback injuries. And with Barkley out, Jones could be throwing a ton for the rest of the season. At running back, we've got James Robinson, 62% owned in ESPN, 70% in Yahoo, and Chris Thompson, 23% owned in both formats. Robinson seems to be the guy now in Jacksonville, and though he's already owned in most leagues, the percentages should still be higher. Thompson is mostly an afterthought, but he does have some flex potential in PPR. He's still being involved as a receiving back. Joshua Kelly, just 28% owned in ESPN, 39% in Yahoo. Kelly continues to be heavily involved in Melvin Gordon's old role. He saw 23 carries to Eckler's 16 against the Chiefs, and he got three targets as a receiver compared to four for Eckler. He's an every week PPR flex play with upside and should be owned in more leagues. Mike Davis, just 1% owned in ESPN, 5% in Yahoo. Davis is certainly no Christian McCaffrey, but he did catch eight balls for 74 yards in McCaffrey's absence in just a quarter or so against Tampa Bay. He has enough PPR volume to be a good flex option for the next few weeks with McCaffrey out, and potentially even an RB2 if he punches in a touchdown here or there. Daryl Henderson, 45% owned in ESPN, 33% in Yahoo. Like Davis, Henderson is likely just a short-term answer 
at running back with Akers and Brown's injuries seemingly minor. That said, Henderson showed well enough against the Eagles that he should be involved more in the Rams' backfield, even once the other two running backs are healthy. Jerick McKinnon, 19% owned in ESPN, 23% in Yahoo, and Jeff Wilson Jr. not owned in any formats. With Coleman out and Mostert potentially out as well, McKinnon and Wilson Jr. are the last men standing. Both figure to be heavily involved against the Giants defense that has so far allowed back-to-back big games to Benny Snell and David Montgomery, and both are viable flex plays with upside. And finally, Deion Lewis, 1% owned in ESPN, 6% Yahoo, and Wayne Gallman, 0% in ESPN, 1% Yahoo. Lewis stepped in after Barkley left the game against Chicago, but Gallman figures to be involved going forward as he was inactive in Week 2. Lewis is the better bet for production, but neither is likely to be more than an iffy flex play, with the two of them splitting the backfield touches with Barkley out for the season. Uh, Moving on to wide receivers, our first one we have is Preston Williams. 60% owned in ESPN, 35% in Yahoo. Uh, Williams' ownership percentage has actually dropped from week one to week two. He did nothing versus Buffalo with uh, Tredavious White shadowing him, but that alone should speak volumes about who opponents consider the number one receiver in Miami. Williams should be owned in pretty much 100% of leagues with great matchups coming up versus Jacksonville and then two banged up defenses in Seattle and San Francisco. Uh, Robbie Anderson, 78% owned in ESPN, 62 in Yahoo. Anderson continues to see a huge target share alongside Moore. Uh, with how bad Carolina's defense is, he should be a great volume wide receiver to play in a lot of shootouts this year. He's a priority add, and if he wasn't already scooped up after week one. Uh, Russell Gage, 4% owned in ESPN, 2% in Yahoo. Atlanta is going to keep getting into shootouts, and Gage should continue seeing a ton of targets, especially with Julio playing through a hamstring injury. He's worth adding as a volume wide receiver three with upside. Uh, Jerry Judy, 74% owned in ESPN and 70% owned in Yahoo, and KJ Hamler, who is owned in 1% of both. Uh, With Cortland Sutton out for the year, Judy is an obvious benefactory and should now be rostered in 100% of leagues. But don't forget about the dynamic rookie KJ Hamler. With Sutton leaving mid-game, Hamler ended up tying Judy for the lead in targets with seven apiece. LaVisca Chenault, 7% owned in ESPN and 12% owned in Yahoo, and Keenan Cole, 2% owned in ESPN and 3% owned in Yahoo. Chark is surprisingly not dominating the target share. With Minshew dealing with plenty of shootouts, uh, with Jacksonville's defense giving up a ton of points, but Chenault and Cole are both viable flex plays who are benefiting from these negative game scripts, especially with Chark limited by a chest injury. Golden Tate, 58% owned in ESPN, 36% in Yahoo. It was a rough day for the Giants as a whole, but with Barkley out for the year, Tate can see more slot targets if New York chooses to throw, uh, throw more on offense. He's a wide receiver four, but for now, but could evolve into a reliable wide receiver three or flex with PPR volume. Uh, Merkel Hardman, 42% owned in ESPN, 36 in Yahoo. Sammy Watkins is questionable for Monday night versus Baltimore with a concussion, which can lead to a big game from Hardman if the Chiefs defense can't stop Lamar Jackson. He's a viable flex flex play if Watkins misses this game. Uh, Nikhil Harry, 40% owned in ESPN, 27% in Yahoo. 
With New England's offense struggling through two games, Harry can be a volume flex play in deeper formats if Newton continues to throw the ball a ton. All right, next up we've got tight ends. Drew Sample, 0% owned in ESPN, 1% in Yahoo. Through two weeks, Burrow has targeted his tight ends on 25% of his pass attempts. With Uzoma out for the year, Sample could finish the season as a low-end tight end one on volume alone. Logan Thomas, 11% in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. Thomas played all but two snaps on passing offense and saw nine targets behind only McLaurin. He had a rough day but remains a volume PPR play and a decent tight end one option this week. Mo Ali Cox, just 1% in both formats. Cox was the most productive receiver for Indianapolis against Minnesota in week two. And he's a fine streaming option with upside if Doyle is out again this week facing a Jets secondary that just gave up two touchdowns to Jordan Reed in week two. Speaking of Jordan Reed, 7% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. His production was dependent on those two touchdowns. Don't count on a repeat performance this week even if Kittle remains out, especially if Nick Mullins is starting. Reed is just a desperation tight end play in deeper leagues. Uh, moving on to defenses, uh, Tampa Bay, 44% owned in ESPN, 50% in Yahoo. Uh, we talked last week about how it was too soon to give up on Tampa Bay's defense just because it struggled to stop a top five Saints team in week one. They crushed Carolina, and now they get to crush Jeff Driscoll. Uh Indianapolis, uh, 75% owned in ESPN, 41% owned in Yahoo. Uh, the Colts are mostly rostered on ESPN, but somehow only 40% owned, 41% owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, they get a great matchup against a <laughs> against the Jets. Oh man, <laughs> this week with no Paramount and no Bell. Uh, uh, the LA Chargers. I almost said Clippers. <laughs> Uh, the Chargers, I'm sorry, 26% owned in ESPN, 30% owned in Yahoo. The Chargers played very well against Pat Mahomes after dominating Cincinnati in week one. And now they face a Carolina team that just gave up five sacks, two interceptions, and two fumbles to Tampa Bay this past week. Yep, there you have it. Uh, hopefully your team survived the week two injuries. I feel like health is the most important thing at this point. And, uh, you know, if not, like we said at the beginning of the show, Thrive Fantasy, our new partners, a great way to pivot if your redraft team is not doing so hot and if you lost Saquon or if you lost McCaffrey for a few weeks. And as always, uh, even if that did happen, that doesn't mean it's over by any means. As always, if you have more specific questions regarding your team or league, we're happy to help you out on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Uh, and you can find me, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N. You can also find Los uh, at FFA underscore Los. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.